Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Black is Transnational. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lambert, and I thank you all for listening. And I'm very excited for this particular episode because there's so many exciting things that we have to share. If this is your first time listening to My Black is Transnational, please rate, subscribe, and review the podcast. This podcast is available on all platforms, so whatever your favorite podcast listening app is, we are definitely sure to be there. Um, really would love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. If you have any feedback for me, you can email us at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at blacktransnational underscore, and you can feel free to shoot me a DM or follow me and share comments on my Instagram story about the recent episode that I dropped. So on this episode, we will be joined by a special guest, Dr. Omavi Bailey, who will be talking about his experiences as far as reconnecting back to Africa and how he became a transnational, although he was born an African-American, and his experiences, or what the work I should say that he's doing now to reconnect other people from, Afri- from Africa or the diaspora or even those in America back to Africa as far as what they call the doorway of return. And um, just to kind of give you a, a little bit of foreshadowing, this conversation that we have, uh, Dr. Omavi and I, is a very powerful conversation, to, in my opinion, very deep, very enriching, um, and can hit some people on an emotional level. But I thought it was a very powerful interview that, um, and a lot of powerful statements that were shared by Dr. Bailey. And um, I'm very excited for the content, and I really would love to hear your feedback. I really think that this episode really sheds some light as to how we as a black community can truly reclaim our humanity and for those who feel lost or who felt um who who want to reconnect back to their ancestors or to their roots this episode really speaks on how uh African Americans or those from the diaspora, those who just want to reconnect back to Africa, not from just a physical standpoint, but even from a spiritual standpoint, what you can do in order to do that and how he, Dr. Bailey, through his organization, Prometra, work on trying to heal the wounds um, from, from the past through not just medicine, but also through action and community organizing. So very excited. I really would love to hear your feedback again. And without any further ado, here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to My Black is Transnational. Our guest for today is a really, really good brother. Um, Very inspirational to my thoughts as far as giving me the confidence to start this show. Um, And it's somebody that I really, really was pushing to try to get on this show. So um, it's my pleasure to introduce to y'all Dr. Omavi Bailey, um, who is a a doctor, a physician by trade, um, but does a lot of other interesting, fascinating work that I really want you all to hear about. So Man, Omavi, brother, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, man, this- thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. It's an honor, and to be a some be a part of something so groundbreaking and, and so necessary. Man, yo, thank you so much. Uh, the pleasure is mine, and um, just very good to have you. So, if you could just take a couple of a minutes to just tell us uh, what you're about, what do you do, what are you working on right now? I know you're a physician by trade, but what are the things that you're working on so far? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I do a lot of quite a few different things, but the most important thing that I'm a part of is an organization called Prometra. I'm a part of Prometra. I sit on the board of Prometra USA. And um, what we do is really to try to preserve, uplift, and promote uh, the traditional cultures and uh, traditions and traditional African medicine, uh, culture, and, and values that that have uh that existed tens of thousands of years and that are really in 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 danger of being lost as a result of colonialism slavery and and many other things and so we we really are working to preserve that and in all of its areas that we can find it so both in africa and in the diaspora and um this organization as we do this work it also opens a lot of doors and opportunities for uh, collaboration and communication between the diaspora and the continent um, and a lot of solutions for problems that we have today from our traditional knowledge. And so um, that work is really awesome, man. It's exciting. It's allowed me to to really gain some deep relationships with um, uh, some very powerful and incredible individuals in, in our culture, both in Africa and in the diaspora. And, um, and we've been able to do some really good work in the, in the realm of traditional medicine to, um, to really find solutions for uh, diseases that Western medicine falls short in being able to uh, treat or heal. 
Man, you know, that's so that, that is a lot of the work. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's, that's amazing. And thanks for sharing that. And it just kind of leads me because one of the things that we talk about in my blackest transnational is obviously bridging the gap. And we're going to go into a mm-hmm. deeper discussion as far as bridging that gap between, you know, Africa and in the diaspora and America and everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious as to you being a physician that did, you know, that does work. Um, in in that particular style of medicine, and you're also working with an organization that focuses on that traditional medicine. And how are you trying to bridge that gap? You know, you know, brother. I love the term "bridge that gap" because I see myself as a bridge. Mm. Before I became a doctor, I understood that my role, my purpose in life, is to be a bridge between Africa and the diaspora. Mm. And and it was um. <clears throat> It was actually one time I was in South Africa at a biomedical science conference, and uh, I was invited as a part of one of the guests to accompany um, the keynote speaker. And and we sat down and we talked. And this is a wise man; he's a mentor of mine, and and uh, he really he really helped me understand my role as a bridge. Mm-hmm. So so when you talk about how do we bridge that gap, well, any bridge, in order for it to be stable. It has to have a strong pillar uh, on either side that, con- that that allows the bridge to, to connect, right? So um, in order to do that, we have to really plant those roots down and go deep to those roots where they are on each side. And um, and when it comes to how, I, how I'm able to, to um, kind of play this role as a physician and also come back to these traditional uh systems it's a it's a challenge it is a bit of a game you have to it's a, it's a, it's a tightrope walk at times however we really it is as limited as western medicine medicine has become you know the basic some of the basic fundamental features that it's built upon actually still came out of africa mm. you know when you look at the Ibris papyrus in egypt for example um when it when it describes the the function of the heart you know, and cardiovascular system and, and, and these, these things. I mean, that, that predated Western medicine by thousands and thousands of years. Okay. Now the Western philosophical approach to medicine, healthcare, healing, or treatment of patients has a lot of, a lot of limitations because of the, the way the science has been, uh, developed, but on the principles that it was developed on, you know, it does not acknowledge, you know, anything about spirituality, mm-hmm. does not really fundamentally acknowledge any mind-body connection, and it cannot measure, you know, um, love, intuition, you know, the dynamics of life, the mm-hmm. energy of life. It does not have the ability to measure that. Mm-hmm. So it falls short many times, especially when it comes to mental health issues, as we see in this country, is, is very pervasive. Um, it also falls short, um, even in the approach, let's say, to treating infection. So when, you know, in the Western approach, of course, uh, during the scientific revolution in Europe and, and uh, in the whole Renaissance period, mm-hmm. you know, that they were, there was still a lot of oppression happening in the world. Yeah. You know, let's not get it twisted. Yeah. I mean, slavery was still, I mean, slavery, colonialism, and just genocide was still happening. So in order to really develop a science, the ethics of that science also has a connection to the philosophy on which you investigate things. Mm -hmm. You know, it it colors your lens, right? So you can, on one hand, come up with a very humane science and a very good way to heal things. And on the other hand, be be, uh, disregarding life, Mm. you know, every day. So what I see happen is um, you have philosophers like Descartes and, and Louis Pasteur, and as they begin to try to understand these organisms and, and also separate the mind from the body and look at the body as a mechanism, what, is, what, ends, up hap- what ends up happening is you develop solutions that have no problem with killing an organism. You have an infection, you have, uh, you have a bacteria in your system, I create an antibiotic, that antibiotic will kill that organism, and you'll be free of the infection. Right. But that's not what really happens. You kill the organism, 
it mutates, comes back stronger, becomes a superbug, and you no longer have an effective treatment. You know, so that approach of being able to kill organisms is not the same approach that we use in traditional African medicine. I use that traditional African medicine broadly, mm-hmm. and I can speak about particular traditions, but really across um, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, that approach is not the approach. You don't kill organisms. You remove them from the body. It sounds like you're talking from, from that angle that you just brought up, the, the pastures mm-hmm. of the world. It seems like they kill the organism, but they're focusing more on that organism, but they're not necessarily focused on that healing process. So it seems like mm-hmm. that other angle might be focused more on healing instead of just mm-hmm. destroying an organism, which can come back and be able to be, you know, develop immunity um, to whatever treatment. It's not about that. It's about healing the body holistically. Am I, am I correct or... Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And, it, and it, it comes down to the philosophy is very important to analyze, because if you say, um, if you say, I think, therefore I am, then that means there's really no value of the other person or the other living being, whether it be nature, animal, you know, or, or, or human. It doesn't matter. It, I am because of me. But if you say I, I am because we are. Mm. Then, then you have a different approach to how you resolve conflict, how you resolve problems, how you how you bring about health, and how you you know how you resolve illness. And if you look at health as a, as an equilibrium or balance, and you don't look at it as a state of of you know of of just well being or something like that, like you know the WHO definitions, CDC definitions, they continue to evolve these definitions, but. It started off as the absence of of disease, health as the absence of disease. That's not the African, and I use that term broadly, with the African definition. The definition, for example, in uh, Tidal Civilization definitions like in Benin, you would say health is the ability to laugh and to cry. This is a philosophical discussion where you say health is the ability to laugh and cry. It means there's this balance you know, that you are able to achieve. And it's not just Africa. It's really a lot of indigenous cultures around the world. Or even It's universal um, in, in many ways. But when you don't see health as a form of bringing about balance in all, you know, to the organism, you know, then you, you say, I just, you know, I kill this, I kill that. You know, I mean, and that's why, I mean, medicine, you'll see a patient will be on so many different medications. So many different side effects, you know, because we 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 have created so many different silos and specialties that that don't really um, recognize the interaction of all things for the organism's well-being or the organism's uh, fundamental health of the organism um, as a balance. So so that is a different approach, and it really it really is a huge problem today. Because we are we're looking at a threat. Look, you, you remember Ebola? Yeah. You you know look at HIV, Ebola. Um, we talk about viruses now, and we also have KCC and these other organisms, these superbugs that are multi-drug resistant organisms. And the CDC speaks of the threat of a huge epidemic or pandemic because of the the widespread use of antibiotics. Mm. You know, it's a and it, so it's not just philosophy but that philosophy also basically connects to major problems and threats that exist today so so one of the things that you that stood out to me in what you said was the concept of i think therefore we are and it seems to kind of speak to that interdependence that community building aspect that needs to happen in the black community and since we're on the topic of health and we'll switch um moving forward but since we're still on that topic of health what are some ways as far as reducing the utilization of antibiotics and the improvement of more behavior-related, spiritual, traditional type of practices? What are ways that um, your organizations are promoting to um, you know, people as far as um, practices they should engage in and behaviors they should try to take on? Oh, it's a very good question. Um, uh, I want to I wanna just make a, a small... Uh, correction, it's it, it, the Western philosophies, I think, therefore I am, and the African is, 
I am because we are. Oh, okay. I apologize. And, and, and when and when um we look at ways and practices that we can use to or that we can that we can take on to help us uh, have better health, you know, there are some simple things that we can do. Um, but let me tell you, it it does require. I think it's best understood when you step outside of the philosophical framework or the Western idea of health and you come into another way of seeing things. And I'm just going to say this African perspective, for lack of a, of a better way to classify this. But first of all, when you look at the African way of thinking is you have vertical and horizontal relationships. So you have your vertical family. I'm sorry, you have your horizontal family. This is your brother, your sister, your mom, you know, your, your family. Then you also have your ancestral lineage. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a very important role of being able to be connected vertically and horizontally. And, and if you don't have both of those relationships intact, it really can cause a lot of problems of misunderstanding really of who you are and, 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 and what your family really needs. So one thing is honoring our ancestors and having that connection to our ancestors. Very big. And it's not just African culture. Um, I've seen it in Asia. I've seen it in um, the Caribbean, of course. And I I mean, I've seen a lot of Native Americans here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. And I want to speak on that in regards to some of the atrocities that have happened and continue to happen. So let me just, let me just kind of make this, paint this picture for you okay. in the African cycle of life. It, it, and I can walk you through that cycle, but it's one in which we believe that life is a cycle and, and um, we are, we die and we're born, we're reborn. Mm-hmm. And we're not the only ones who believe that. And we've demonstrated and even shown how this works in many different examples. However, Part of that process is not actually just only physically dying and, and, and uh, coming back, but also um, the process of going through birth, uh, rites of passage, marriage, initiation, death. All these things are kind of the, these moments where we are reborn, and we renew, we, we, we get to another part of our life cycle. Mm. Now, um, additionally, when you look at this cycle of life and you think about, well, if there's a cycle of life where we're born again and you die and you come, you become an ancestor, you come back. Then what happens when you have mass killing or you have genocide and mm. like what happened in the slave trade and all these bodies and these souls were, were, were just lost, unnamed, you know, and, you know, I said a name and we don't know their names, but they were the, the family of people who, who, um, were taken. And, um, so what, what some of the elders are saying in Benin, for example, is that when you have this kind of genocide and all of these, these people also did not have the appropriate burials and didn't, were not able to continue that life cycle. Mm -hmm. You have this kind of backlog of, of souls, because what what happens when you're born again? When you say you know you go through your life cycle, you're getting better. Humanity improves, mm. and what part of what they see is the problem with currently in humanity is that um, we are you know we have just too much killing, and it's not the appropriate process to allow people to humans to evolve and improve, you know, and, and to to become better. So there are things to do to try to help that happen. And and so part of that is connection to, to connecting to our ancestors. So we go to Africa and the work that we do, we even help to facilitate what we call the way of remembering. And we walk in the footsteps of our ancestors who died and were taken and who were tortured and, in the middle passage. And, and, uh, and we go and we, we, we go to that place and we, we try to connect and feel that pain. And we walk through the door of no return we are making an effort to reconnect and to participate in the tradition that will help those souls reestablish their life cycle and continue to, to, um, to evolve. 
Now, we also have a door of return, the only door of return in, in Africa where we welcome the diaspora to return back, to reconnect to its motherland and, um, and to help to also resolve, you know, a lot of that, that, that pain and that, and that suffering that continues to, to haunt us today and also lead us to, to um, break that cycle and to really improve, you know, to kind of rehumanize and, you know, reconnect and improve ourselves. Yeah. So that's that's um, sorry to, uh, to cut off, but that just stood out because I was gonna ask about the doorway of return, and and to me that that resonates because one of the biggest things that I've personally shared on this um, show at the beginning of it was that my biggest goal is to be able to, as you said, being a bridge. I also aspire to be a bridge like you are in terms of connecting our African American brothers and sisters here in the United States. Um, who may not have that ability to connect directly with their roots, but being able to connect them back to Africa. And it just seems like what you are doing, what you all are doing with the doorway of return just illustrates that and really emphasize that. And I just kind of want to know where did that idea come from? Because that is just, um, it's fantastic, bro. Like I can't even lie. Like that's something that I believe hits people, not just on a physical, but an emotional level. To be able to just get, oh, deep, get, to reconnect, bro. Like, man, can you just expound on that a little bit? Yo, it's deep. It's deep because, um, you know, first of all, it's a UNESCO protected UNESCO site, mm. right? So it's it's recognized, it's trademarked, it's real, like, and it's recognized. You know, you see these doors of no return, and it's like it really is kind of interesting. So if you go to Ghana, you can see. Uh, in Cape Coast, they got a dungeon there. They got Elmina. You go to Senegal, you see uh, Goria, Goria Island. Mm-hmm. And you go to Benin, where so many millions of our ancestors left were taken. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a big open space, and there's a road that leads down. And each this, this, at this point on the road, this happened. There's a tree of forgetfulness. There's all these steps of how they how they how they took us down this road and then you get to this open beach that leads out to the the, the atlantic ocean and and there was you know in memory of what happened they there's this big door of no return hmm. and i understand what that's about and you know the door of no return to symbolize you know what happened but it was our the president of prometra um international that that was able to take the 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 name through a vision he had actually a dream he had a vision he had to 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 create the pathway for the return of the children of Africa right yeah and he um he acquired the land on that beach that same beach in Wida Benin and built a large door of return, huge door of return with a, a big statue of a mother Africa welcoming her, her children back home from the diaspora and a museum of artifacts uh, chronicling the history, uh, both pre-colonial, you know, pre-slavery, slavery and in the colonial history that happened here. So we'll never forget. And, um, when we do this pilgrimage, when people come back to walk in the footsteps of their ancestors and reconnect and, and, and to try to reconcile, you know, what has happened here and to move forward, it, you go through the door of no return. Mm-hmm. And then you go down to this massive beach where, when I tell you, brother, I mean, I first went there when I was 20 mm-hmm. on this on this pilgrimage. And... Uh, you know, I went down, cried like a baby, man. I mean, I didn't know what to experience. I wasn't even, I wasn't, I was 20. I was, you know, I knew some, knew some history. You know, I thought I knew I was going to, man, I got down there, man, broke me, boy. I tell you, <laughs> it's so powerful. I've never seen nobody walk through that and, and come back the same. And then you go down to the beach, right? And, you, you know, I say the beach, but as far as your eyes can see, it's an endless, it looks like an endless ocean. Mm. It is. It's huge. It's deep. 
is profound as a highway of bones that connects us from that from that that beach all the way, you know, to North America. A highway of bones created by the bones of our ancestors, you know, who those who were thrown overboard, those who jumped overboard, those who did not make it, you know, and um when you stand when I stood right there, uh, let's say about, I said I probably like 30, 40 feet from the actual water, you know, let's say 20, 30 feet from the water, man, you know, uh, I was there with an elder and we started praying and just, just to speak to my ancestors. Like, you know, I feel you. I'm, I'm here. I've come back. You're not forgotten. Mm. That water from that ocean Looked like it just came at me. It came, came all the way up to me and hit me in my chest. My eyes were closed when I was praying. Oh my, it knocked me down. And it's a story that a lot of people tell. That that space is so living. It's so, it's so alive. You can't really put it into words. It's a feeling you get when you're there that something happened here. Something very powerful is still here. And, and that it, the place knows you. You know, it's like you've been there before. And then you walk back up that beach. As you walk away from the ocean, you come in to the door of return. And you're welcomed. There's music playing. Uh, dignitaries of the traditional societies are there to embrace you, to pray for you, to welcome you, to honor you. And... Um, and it's like, and it's like a whole nother feeling, you know? And so, um, that, that is what that door of return represents. It's the beginning. Cause then once you walk through that door, now you're able to enter into a process mm-hmm. to regain your humanity. And this is, this is very important because I was learning as I was learning from the elders, like, you know, what does this place mean? What's the significance of door of returning? What can we achieve by doing this? And um, yes, welcome home. Reconnect to your motherland. What's yours, right? Mm-hmm. But also, it wasn't just the land that was taken from us. Our humanity was taken as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, I can talk about the, the lack of humanity of the people who did this to us. But let's also talk about how we're going to get our own humanity back. Mm. You know? And so... Um, what we don't realize sometimes until we go back home, how far we drifted away, you know, like how, how, how far society has gone from where, where it was really intended to be and where it began. And, um, the beautiful thing is when we're home, we also see how easy it is for us to reconnect. Um, but at the same time, it's like, wow, you know, I've really been disconnected for a minute. We can pick it up like a homeboy you had that you ain't seen in 10 years. You know what I'm saying? But you got a lot of, you know, you got a lot to catch up on, but it's like, oh, but I'm home though. I I get it. So, so once you're there, it's a process you can start to rehumanize, to, to heal those wounds, those wounds that continue to exist in our universal memory. And that's deep. And, and that's 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 beyond. I mean, I, we need to, I need to get more information about this to share, because, you know, although I I mean, the picture you just painted was it was powerful in its own right. And I know whoever else is listening can probably understand what I'm talking about. Um, now, I know that <clears throat> this is something that's open for other people to also partake in. So. Um, how do you go about doing that? Because I know some of our listeners would love to hear oh, yeah, how yeah. to make that reconnection. Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, first of all, um, if you're in the United States and you're listening to this, um, we have Prometra USA. And if you go to www.prometra, that's P-R-O-M-E-T-R-A dot O-R-G, so www.prometra.org, you can see our website. And all the international activities that we do, um, you'll see a lot about the the research that we do on our our plant medicines and and uh, and the work we're doing on that. You'll see uh, the projects we do to preserve traditional African culture and traditions. 
intuition and healing. And then also you'll see way of remembering. And that way of remembering is a pilgrimage. And we, we do a big pilgrimage every two years where we invite whoever wants to come. Um, I'm going to tell you, it's interesting. Mm. And well, Before I jump into why it's so interesting, I'm, you know, I don't want to miss this point. The next one will be in 2021. 2021. Um, okay. 2021. However, you can go there any day, any time. If you want to go to Benin, it's open. It's there. There's someone there to open the door for you to walk through the door of return. It's there. You know, it's there open to the public. And um, you can see the museum. You can, you know, you can, you can have that experience. The pilgrimage, though, is it goes beyond that. Once you come back through that door of return, you get to walk back into that into the footsteps of your ancestors that before slavery, before colonialism, we go visit some of the oldest uh, villages, uh, temples, shrines, you know, traditional societies, and we walk in um, as the guests of of the dignitaries. So all these doors are open to you to return home uh, in the in the most beautiful way, and so um, it'd be, it's full of celebration. It's full of you know, good food, good people, um, spirituality, culture, tradition, music, dancing, ceremonies. It, it, you get completely immersed back into your culture. And that's how it should be when a child comes home that, that has, that, that's been missing for four, five hundred years. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 So it's not a, it's not, a, that pilgrimage is not a, a, a tourist thing. Mm. It, it is a pilgrimage and, 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 and it's likened unto. Uh, a Muslim going to Mecca, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's likened into going not just back to your homeland, but to your origin and your, 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 not just your physical land, but your spiritual reconnection is very important. So, Man. um, yeah, so, that's what it is. So now you just kind of touched on all the things that I consider the 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 process of transnationalism maybe from the reverse angle of an african american mm-hmm. connecting back to africa and that right there is the process and i can't i can't even imagine illustrating it any better but you know one of the things that i found interesting was that man the first time we met was i actually thought you know you were african right and you were an african immigrant mm-hmm. or, or you know second generation whatever the case may be and you know, finding out that you were actually born, you know, in the U.S., an African-American, um, and yeah. you just made that connection with Africa. And, you know, by trade now, you are considered African. You've made that connection. You have connections to Senegal, Benin. How did you go about doing that, man? Like, how did that, what inspired you to make that connection? You know, um, I, look, I'll put it to you like this. Um, my mother, number one, was instru- instrumental in making sure I had an African identity. Hmm. I don't know what she what she was you know I don't know what she was thinking when, when she was doing it. I don't know, but she made sure I knew who I was, who I am. Um, the first thing you do, and in, in any culture, I believe, maybe except for America, I think you know. Let me tell you, when I deliver babies at the hospital, you got to have a name before the baby leave the hospital. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's no cultural value to that. How are you going to name a child before you even see the child? Mm-hmm. You know? And um, and it's just kind of void of the, the spirituality of it all. And if anyone's, you know, uh, seen the child being born, that is the one thing that lets us know that we're not just physical beings. Like, this is the most, you know, to see... Uh, a being come from another person animated with, with its own energy, you know, with its own expressions and everything. It really, it really should help to reconnect. Like the question should be asked, where did this person come from? You know, and, and to have a name without even having a chance to, you know, so my mom gave me the name Omavi. And, and, and I think that was very instrumental to, to me having an identity in America with an African name, and, and she gave me my consciousness, you know. Um, the truth is, if I had to step back and, and operate from an African perspective, I'd say that the souls that are born, you know, our unborn children have their identity. 
you know, and in the African perspective is that they've, they've been here before. And so, um, you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter where you're born. You, who you are, you are who you are. You know, if you accept this cycle of life in the African thought and, and, and this, and this expression of African spirituality, this universal spirituality that, 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 that basically is saying reincarnation is, is, exists, then it doesn't matter where you're born, you know, your identity, you are who you are. So, um, I, I, I say that now at the same time, I say that there have been in my life, people who have directed me to where I needed to go mm. from a young age. Um, at the first time I, I, I spent a significant amount of time in Africa was at the age of 19, I studied abroad in, in Uganda mm-hmm. for six months. And then um, that changed my life. Started to understand more about who I am. Yeah. I couldn't get enough of Africa. By now, I think I've probably been to about 15 countries. And um, some for a short period of time, some for longer. And and I, I think that um, that fire was in me to really discover my purpose and my identity. Now, I think that we have to help our children understand who they are, you know, and, and the real, the re, to get to the real heart of the matter, you know, the world is in trouble. Hmm. And, and this is not no theory or, uh, you know, paranoid type. Of, the world is in trouble. Just turn on the news. You got the threat of nuclear war. You have uh, disease and in, 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 in wars going on um, in many countries in the world, we still have not addressed the damage that's been done in the last 10 years. Destruction of Iraq, destruction of Afghanistan, this is going on in Palestine-Israel conflict, what's going on in Africa, um, you know, especially now that China's entering Africa. And it just, there's so much going on in the world that that's really going in the wrong direction. It's really only one place in the world that I believe can bring all people together. And, and I believe it's the trans national African uh, responsibility to make that connection happen Mm. through Africa. We're everywhere. There's no other people dispersed. Like we're dispersed. That's facts. You know, and at the end of the day, everybody really can. I'm trying to tell you that everybody can connect to Europe. Everybody cannot connect to Asia. But in my own personal experience, anybody and everybody can connect to Africa. Africa is the mother. All of us, all life came from Africa. So I talk about humanity. All humans came from Africa. Now, you know, your national identity is another thing. Your spiritual identity is another thing. But scientifically, factually, Africa gave birth to all humanity. So we have, we, I think we also have a very important responsibility and role and opportunity to help solve problems for all of humanity. As we have suffered and continue to suffer our own problems as a result, actually, of, the, of, of really the lack of humanity outside of Africa. So... So I think that I think that that's something we have to think about. So what we're trying to do as Prometra to to facilitate that facilitate that is to one do the way of remembering to really help you know reconnection to to our homeland. Number two, because of all of the lives that have been lost in genocide around the world, it's very important that we have a way for people to reconnect to their ancestors and also to help their ancestors, you know, continue cycle of life. So we're building a temple of the ancestors in Benin. And this is going to be for all people, Mm. all people to be able to reconnect to their ancestors and help that continue that cycle of life. Because as I mentioned, it's that cycle of life that helps us improve, you know, and we're seeing the lack of that evolution. We're devolving. Humanity is devolved. We're going backwards. Mm. And so that, that is the, another one of the importance of the ancestral connection. 
The, the second thing that we're doing is building a city, the city of spiritual connection, reconnection. So the spiritual city will be in Benin, in a place called Dotu, and it's land that has been given to us by, um, let's say, the, the, the greatest dignitaries in African spirituality in Vodou in, in uh, Benin. And so this is a place where it will be like, like I said, like what Mecca is to Muslims. Anybody can come and reconnect. When you understand African spirituality, you understand it's not a religion. Some people may try to make it one. Right. It's not religion. It's not religion. It predates religion. Religions have prophets. African spirituality don't have no prophets. You know, this is the reconnection to universal spirituality that can really help uh, the process of rehumanization, you know, and the steps really you have to recognize what's going on in the world. You you know, we have to uh, we have to really denounce those things and then we have to rec- we have to reconcile, you know, with each other and repair the damage so that we can rehumanize, so we can really be humans. Because I, I I think that's something that's missing. Yeah, yo, that's that's powerful. And um, two things stood out to me right there. One is that whole concept of um of reconciliation, um, because mm-hmm. that was going to lead me to ask you um, a question, which I will in a little in a little bit. But I also wanted to address the whole concept of separating religion religiosity. Um, and African spirituality, because you'll see in contemporary times that a lot of people who may be even listening to this or those who may not know or you may have conversations try to associate that with religion. And then, you know, you start to then you start to speak down on it and try to denigrate it by saying this is not with your faith or whatever the case may be. So I like and appreciate the fact that you kind of distinguish both um, both uh, both practices. But my question was. As far as reconciliation, it really stands out to me because one of the things that happens here is that gap, that divide between African immigrants here in, the, in, in the North America and African Americans. There's a huge divide, and for someone who is, by all, you know, rights, a transnational, um, what causes that gap? How can we reconcile between both parties? Because there's a huge divide, and in order for us to truly be, in my opinion, a very powerful. Um, a nation, a community, whatever you want to call it, a population, in order for it to really achieve that power, that peace, that prosperity, we have to be able to bridge that gap. We have to be able to to reconcile. I think that's a powerful word. And I just kind of want to know your thoughts about it as from someone who is, who's here and has built relations with Africa and relationships with people globally. What does it take? <laughs> you know... It, it, it takes, one, being honest. We've got to be honest. Uh, too, too often we don't say what we really feel. You know, we, put, we just push things under the rug. You know how it is, especially in the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you got, if, you, if you're not feeling well, if you're sick, you don't tell nobody, just, you know, keep it on the hush. Mm-hmm. we got to be honest, okay? And we have to say what we feel. But let me tell you something. I've never had a problem and never saw a problem of reconciliation between the diaspora and Africa when I actually came to Africa. You know, it's the the, the people that are having that discussion and perpetuating those ideas are the ones who really don't benefit from that reconciliation. Let me explain what I mean. I can't tell you I could tell you the first time at 19 years old when I was in Uganda, I, I thought I understood what it meant to be a good person, what it meant to be human. What, you know, I, I thought I understood what love was to some degree, but I never would have imagined that I would have felt the love, the welcoming, the, the embrace that Africa gave me when I showed up at 19 years old. My experience, when you're talking, about, you're talking to people, I'm not talking about scholars. I'm not talking about politicians. Deal with the people. Go meet the people. Go meet the people. You will see that the diaspora is admired. 
in Africa. And it, we have been miseducated in the diaspora to think that Africans don't want us to come back. You know, and I'm not going to speak for all Africans, but I'll tell you, when you deal with the people, there's so much love for us. And so they're so proud and fascinated by our, our, what we have been able to accomplish and, and what, we've been able to, what we've been able to survive, you know, in the U.S. As they, as they don't even know much about it on the continent. As it's not taught to us here with Africa, the history of Africa, they're also not learning much about the, the experience and the history of us in the U.S. So that's that's one thing. Deal deal directly with the people. Don't yeah, me personally. I got a policy in my life, man. I I, I go to the I want to hear directly from the horse. You know, I don't do too much secondhand, thirdhand things. Got to find out the people. You know, the, the, you're not gonna get the, the truth until you go right directly to the source. So just go home, hmm. go home, and reconnect and see what happens. You'll be welcomed. You'll be welcomed. You know, and um. The other thing is reconciliation. Uh, there, there are some traumas that have occurred that take a process to heal. But the first step to reconciliation is recognition. Mm. We have to recognize the problem. Okay. Then we have to repent. Okay. And what repentance means to me is you got to say, one, how, how you feel, what hurts, you know, and then we got to admit that, yeah, I did that or I'm sorry, you know, and I'm, I'm, let's reconnect. And and uh, and then you can reach a stage of reconciliation. I, when it comes to family, another thing about Africa is this, a lot of times. You you can you can still find the way to reconcile. Let me give you an example. There's a type of ceremony you can do for a family who has had a trauma or a break or something that has really caused damage to that family unity. And you can do this kind of ceremony to reestablish that family, that reconnection, that unity. All right. We've lost. Maybe we have lost that. In this, in, in in our distance from our home, being in the diaspora, but it's definitely available back home. So if there is something, it can be resolved. And um, and a lot of things we think about Africa ain't true. They are not true. And the the idea that Africa don't want us, they sold us into slavery. That's that's the yes. okay. That's not true. That's not how it went down. And and the more I've had a chance to to go deeper into the actual places that existed when this happened, you get to see the complexity of the dynamics. And, and as I say, not only of the leadership during that period, but also the people you're literally dealing with your family. Let me give you an example. We're doing this way of remembering tour. We have a translator, young brother, um, from Benin, right? Mm-hmm. He's sharp. He shows up every day early. He's ready to go. And he's sharp. His English is good. And, and you know, and he studies black culture, which is so awesome. His brother watched the boondocks. He watched, you know, he really looks at the intricacies of, of diaspora culture. And he's just, he just, he's into the thing. He's interpreting. Then, as we get ready to walk through the door of no return, it hits him. He starts crying. That he's standing with his with the pe- the people who come all over here to go through the door, they could be his actual blood. Mm. Mm. So he himself felt, as he was showing up for work, he himself actually felt the power of what he for- had forgotten himself. This is called the way of remembering, and it works both ways. It's not just for the diaspora; it's for the continent too. You know, so so. That that was a, a, a just kind of a powerful example of how that reconciliation happens. You know, it's very powerful. Yeah. yeah you know. That's, that's so a, and that reconciliation that reconciliation extends beyond just the African diaspora and the African continental African. It's I could tell you, it, uh, a sister from Iraq came on the trip, and 
she was there to know more about Africa and African spirituality. And she was on the pilgrimage. She had been to Mecca. She's Muslim, okay, devout Muslim. Mm-hmm. And she was very nervous in the beginning because she really didn't know much about this stuff. And when she went down through the door of no return and, and, that, and that, that path, that road of no return that our ancestors had to walk down, she had a, a memory that her ancestors also participated in the trans-Saharan slave trade. And she wow. broke down. Wow. It's, it's super powerful because we're not, <laughs> this ain't classroom, man. This is, this is real. This is, this is, this is, the, this is, uh, it's real. Yeah. yeah well, that's the, <laughs> about as real as it gets. Um, I mean, this is a powerful conversation overall, man. I think, um, I'm just, I'm moved by it. Um, we've had conversations before, but even now talking about it again, it just, the, the image, the everything is just, it's very moving. It's captivating. And, you know, we're kind of running up on time, um, but I, there's one other question I'd like to ask you before we kind of wrap up. And uh, it just just as a as a transnational now to you, what what do you feel are the benefits of being have, being able to have access to both worlds? What are the benefits? What are the drawbacks for you? The benefit, let me, well, let, let me speak on the benefits practically, and and uh, and, and some of the bigger things. Um, I'm going to start from the bigger things, and then work back to the more practical things. Okay. Number one, when you, when when we reconnect, you realize who you are, and then you realize your own um, your purpose and your power. Right. So, what I want to say to all especially the African diaspora and the, and the continent African. We don't know this, but we're the ones who have to really solve this problem for humanity. That we, we don't, we, we're still trying to figure out who we are and how we're going to get along and how we're going to reconnect. But actually, the world is waiting on us to actually solve this problem. You know, the world is waiting on us to really solve why the world is going in the wrong direction. Africa can solve that. Africa has the solutions, but we have to we have to come together and make we have to we have to lead this process for the whole world. I ain't talking about just black people, the whole world. That's a huge responsibility and role that we need to understand. We have to play. Number one, number two, from the practical perspective, my wife is Senegalese. Her uh, her answer, her parents are from. Benin and Mali, they met in Senegal in school, and she's from Senegal. She, so she was born and raised in Senegal. Okay. My children and my wife right now uh, in Senegal visiting family. Okay, and um, <laughs> if things, and this is so I'm, I'm going to talk about practical. You know how hard it is for a black man to to, to make it in America. Better yet, not have a felony, uh, you know, or a a problem or problem, you know, making money or financially or what have you. The credit is an opportunity to be able to to operate in this bridge between the diaspora and the continent, to be able to not be limited by the limitations that are placed on us here. You don't have those same limitations there. There are things that you can build and you can do and you can make happen outside of the limitations that are placed on us here that will secure that you have a future. And one thing when we were in New York, brother, it mm-hmm. occurred to me that I wanted to go see Harlem. I wanted to go see what Garvey was, where the Renaissance happened. You go to Harlem today, you'll see Whole Foods, right. you know, a whole bunch of skinny jeans and uh, yoga pants. Right. <laughs> and because we have not been able to secure that our investment in our future here in America will last more than three generations. But we can do that in Africa. And they are flocking to Africa. Chinese, European, everybody's coming to Africa to try to take. And we are not even claiming what's really ours and what we can do when we connect the diaspora and the continent. And so personally, practically, um, I find refuge and security, both financially, um, family support-wise, 
When my wife, my wife goes to Africa, she drops the kids off and she can sleep. She can relax. You got community. You know, it's, it's a whole nother level of practical living that, that, that really promotes happiness and balance, you know, and it's important to be able to have that. I think, I think it really provides a type of not only a safety net, but a security for our future, um, for our, our next, our, our future generations in particular. So, um, I think it is quite practical and I recommend everybody go back home. And if you can establish something back home that, you know, will be there for your great grandchildren. Man, yo, that's a powerful way. That's a huge exclamation point for me in this, um, this conversation, this interview, man. Uh, Brother, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. I just want to thank you for taking this opportunity to just enlighten us um, on what's going on, especially because it's Black History Month. Man, I just think that this is a powerful conversation that not that needs to continue, uh, maybe not on these airwaves, but also just in other people's homes, among other people, especially that concept of reconciliation. Um, I think that's something that we need to you know, progress on actually doing. It doesn't have to be a spectacle of sorts, but I think these are conversations that need to be happening individually. Um, with people and I just believe that it's our as you mentioned I, I completely agree that it's it's our responsibility that we don't even know our true power we don't know our true influence in the world and, and I said that in my first episode where I felt like everybody wants black slash African culture everybody wants it. there's something about it you know we are the aboriginal people um, and once we start to take ownership of that and we start to understand that. I mean, you may say the world wants us, but I actually think the world doesn't want us to. And because if the because I actually would, would tell you that the world doesn't want us to figure it out and reconcile because of the power. Because I believe that Wakanda could truly happen. Um, you know, that's not just a figment of imagination. That's just not you know CGI. That's in a, that's something that could possibly happen because we as black people we're everywhere. We're we're we're, we're changing other people's worlds we're impacting other people's lives we've adapted adopted to other people's you know spirituality their, their religion we've taken it enhanced it but we haven't yet seen what we can do for ourselves so you just being able to to, to paint that picture and just enlighten us with, with your knowledge and what you all are doing at pro metro bro i just appreciate you taking this time it was a conversation that was Brother, worthwhile. Anytime, man. Man, I know I we're going to do it again. What you doing, and by putting a word to what it is that we are doing, you're making it happen. Just that 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 ability to, to create the, the philosophy. Like we started talking about in the beginning. Mm. I appreciate you, brother. And if there, if there are entities or powers in the world that don't want us to succeed, I ain't worried because exactly. the universe does. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we're good. We're going to make this happen. We have our role to play in this generation, and it's going to take some time, but we're going to get there. And and that's why we're having this conversation. I'll be, I'll be happy to come back anytime and continue the good work, brother. I appreciate you, bro, man. You have a good one. Regards to the family, um, and you take care, yes, bro. Sir. Stay warm, bro. Well, you in Atlanta. I ain't even worried about it. I'm up in New York freezing, man, but you have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. You stay warm. All right, now. All right, bro. Peace. <laughs> All right, bro. thing that you can say is wow just wow and um that's gonna do it for us here at my black is transnational uh hope you all enjoy the interview with dr bailey special shout out to dr bailey special guy and what they're doing at prometra um if you have any feedback please email us at black transnational 17 at gmail.com you can also follow me on instagram at black transnational underscore so we're gonna sign off talk again soon my name is Dr. Kaleji Bay Lamberts. My black is transnational, and I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>